0: The contents of The Lab Report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on The Lab Report, we're going to talk about vitamins in the GI tract.
1: Like vitamins made by the bacteria in your GI tract?
0: Surprise! Did you know that?
1: I did. did Did you know that? I knew the bugs made stuff. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Well, it's the fall. You know uh-huh. what that means. What's that? No more shark attacks.
0: Seriously? is that, No. That doesn't happen in the fall? No, I
1: haven't. Heard Depends that many on where sh- you are, right? I guess that's true. It's confirmation bias. Northern, right?
0: southern hemisphere. Yeah. Hello.
1: Hey, Michael Chapman. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. Patty Devers. How are you today?
1: I am crushing it and living my best life.
0: Are you gonna add a third one to that at some point, I'm or are you just? I might. Okay. I think. I think we only truly need one because they're kind of <laughs> redundant but hmm. that's just my opinion. That's your opinion. And you know what they say about opinions. I do. So this is a podcast called The Lab Report. It's brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. Thanks Genova. Thanks, Genova. For all the things. And it's where we talk about functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, all those goodies and what can they do if they like what they're hearing.
1: But first, if you're new to this podcast, welcome. And if you're returning, thank you. And if you happen to like it, you can go to iTunes or Spotify and perhaps subscribe. And great news! What's that? We're running a half-price special on our subscriptions through the month oh, of September. Oh, that is true. That's so right. Just take advantage of that. Hit the like button. Right. Maybe rate, review, leave us some stars, etc. Right. You
0: use the promo code Shark Attack,
1: <laughs> and
0: you get your twenty percent off. That's right. You're immediately. welcome. Was You're it welcome. twenty or fifty? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Half you know, half. whichever you want. That's right. you want twenty or fifty? You can have it. But and what the if they have
1: what if they have more to say beyond the reviews, Michael?
0: They can write to us. Mm -hmm. Not with, like, pencil and paper and stuff like that, but via the the interwebs at podcast at gdx.net. That's our email address.
1: Correct. And if you're a patient and you're interested in connecting with Genova Doctors Mm. or directly ordering testing, you can check out Genova Connect at connect.gdx.net. That's cool. That's cool.
0: Uh, That's our housekeeping, right? That's it. So that leads us into what we were talking about before, which is, why does this even... I, shark attacks can never really truly leave your brain. I think I, jaws that's so true. for that, right? like like right? because of that movie basically, no one can swim in the ocean without thinking about it.
1: It's true. And, you know, it was formative years for us, but it's an entire generation that's been marked by this movie and makes us all afraid of shark attacks. So that being said, I haven't really heard about a lot of shark attacks. This oh, summer.
0: well, it just so happens what? that um, I was on my news app here, the AP. Okay. Um, and there was one recently. This was an article, uh, actually, Where? September 6th. So this was fairly recent. This happened in the Bahamas. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there was a shark attack. Somebody was killed unfortunately in
1: September like yeah, recent yeah yeah oh okay
0: yeah oh. um so it's certainly it, it can happen especially in the mm-hmm. warmer climates and things like sure. that um and it is unfortunate and that's exactly what the chief superintendent said that sh- the police spokeswoman she said quote is unfortunate so I thought wow. that was a lot wow. of, a lot of very effort descriptive, in, yeah. in going into that. But Loquacious. The, the craziest thing about this article which okay. is at the very end where All they're right. they're saying, you know, but overall shark attacks are pretty rare. Uh-huh. Um, and then they quoted the stat, which was worldwide there are 137 shark attacks last year, 73 of them unprovoked. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I was like, I read that, and my brain came to a screeching halt. I was like, "Record scratch." How many what? provoked attacks are there? How who's, are who's, who, are these who is out there provoking shark attacks? Like, I don't. <laughs> what does that mean? I must not be understanding the definition. But if that's in there, and that's their summary yeah. paragraph, who are those? people? I want to know more.
1: <laughs> I'm left How? knowing,
0: <laughs> not knowing what I need to know.
1: It's a good stat, though.
0: Anyway, what are we talking about, Patty? Well.
1: You know we like to talk about the commensal bacteria in the GI tract,
0: right? I love talking about it. It's Everyone one of my does. favorite things to talk about. <laughs>
1: Everyone does.
0: Around the dinner table, commensal wow. bacteria.
1: Seriously? Your Christmas poor,
0: dinner, commensal your, bacteria. Your
1: poor family. Your poor family. But we know that they, the commensal bacteria are so important. They do so many things. They make a lot of metabolites. They communicate with all different parts of your body systemically. But the one thing we don't often think about or talk about is their ability to make and produce vitamins.
0: Yeah, I think it's an important thing to consider um, because, you know, we do a lot of different assessments and Mm -hmm. we do a lot of different interventions in our field uh, to make sure people have adequate nutrition. Um, And this is not something that we really think of as far as, you know the the metabolites that the bacteria in the GI tract make. We think about the short chain fatty acids certainly, and some of the inflammatory, some of the bad things that they could potentially make. But vitamins is up there, right, and right. Um, and and not only that too. They also have the capacity. If you're giving different supplements, you know, if you're giving even herbal supplements or vitamins, minerals, the microbiome plays a big role in how those things are broken down, absorbed as well. So, um, but it's, it's also, all important.
1: But it's also bidirectional, right? Because we know that the diet influences your microbiome, the macros and the micros, including your vitamins, can Mm -hmm. alter the bacterial composition of your GI tract. Then conversely, short of the affecting of the digestion and absorption of those macronutrients, the microbiome can also modulate how much vitamin is absorbed and influence how bioavailable it is. So to your point, it's actually a two-way street.
0: Yeah. uh, Yes, for sure. Um, But we haven't covered this before as far as the bacteria actually producing certain vitamins. And there's some that they do produce um, at greater concentrations Mm -hmm. and some that they basically, you know, it doesn't contribute much at all to the overall pool of that vitamin. So maybe a good place to start would be like, well, what are the main vitamins uh, that are produced in the microbiome? Well,
1: I will tell you by the microbiome. Well, I'll tell you that most Dietary vitamins like you get from your diet get reabsorbed in your small intestine. But to your point, there are bacteria in your colon which can make these vitamins, and it's mainly the water soluble B vitamins and vitamin K.
0: Okay, so most of the fat soluble stuff gets absorbed when you, through your diet in the small intestine. That makes mm-hmm. sense because yeah. there's the presence of bile and emulsification mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Um, and and I'm sure a lot of other vitamins that we're getting, like you said, nutritionally through our diet, uh, they pretty much are either passively or actively absorbed as part of your, the rest of your digestion and absorption process. Uh, but there's this alternate contribution um, for, for some of the things like folate, like you said, mm-hmm. B vitamins, uh, biotin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And vitamin, vitamin K.
1: Mm-hmm. But I think what's important to note is that we eat vitamins, and now we know that the commensal bacteria can make vitamins. What's important is that the bacteria need those vitamins for energy. So the ones that you eat and the ones that they make, they need it for energy. And we know that there are some bacteria who can make vitamins and some who can't. Mm -hmm. And so they rely on each other. They cross-feed with each other. And the bacteria themselves need these vitamins. So although they're making them and we're like, oh, that's cool. Maybe that'll get into my systemic circulation. You're not the priority. They actually need them to survive.
0: Okay, couple thoughts. Go. First one, how neighborly of some of these <laughs> right. bacteria to Sweet. be like, yeah. you know what, I'm going to make some of this Aww, vitamin K, and I'll go. pass it over to this other organism who yeah. happens to be inhabiting this place with me. Uh, that's that's pretty interesting. Sweet. Um, the other thing is, are you telling me that, that we're eating Vitamins, and we're eating foods with vitamins in them, and these bacteria are just freeloading off that potentially, and they're just using these vitamins, and we're not even getting them <laughs> into circulation. Well, what can we do to stop this? No, <laughs> how can we, we eradicate we this? We can't
1: because I will tell you, some of it does get into our systemic circulation, and okay. so we all work together, Michael. Just like the bacteria in your gut work together, we have to be friends with our commensal. I don't bacteria. work with anyone. <laughs> well, well, some of it actually does get into systemic circulation, and that's where this becomes important.
0: No, but I mean, all joking aside, it's super interesting that we we typically think about getting adequate nutrition from our diet, right? And that we think it's like this one-to-one. And I don't – I, quite frankly, I've never thought about it until this episode that so so much of the nutrition and the vitamins in them are to ensure that the gut microbiome is in and of itself – having a positive impact and a positive role because some of these vitamins regulate immunity in mm-hmm. the GI tract or yeah. they regulate gut inflammation. So they're using, they have requirements for the vitamins as much as we do. And so the more that we're feeding them with some of the things that they need, then it's going to help improve our overall system. So they are kind of paying a little bit of rent. I That's guess.
1: right. That's right. And I will say that most of our dietary vitamins get broken down and reabsorbed into our systemic circulation in our small intestine. But now we're talking about the colon and the bacteria making some of these vitamins. And so when they do, we're thinking, how is this getting into my systemic circulation? And the answer is that, the colonic epithelium can absorb it passively. So that's kind of cool.
0: That is cool. Uh, Just like water, right? I mean, there's not a lot of absorption that is typically occurring in the large intestine other than water, but the fact that these vitamins can also passively absorb is is very interesting. And I also like the fact that we get first dibs, right? So we we eat Uh the food, and then we get the ability to absorb it in the small intestine before it really hits Main Street down there with the microbiome in the large intestine.
1: Hold up, hold up, hold up before you go We're running down Main Street, Michael Chapman. Mm-hmm. You just said we get first dibs in the small intestine. I did. You did. But I think it's important for everyone to know that we may not always get first dibs. Uh, Here we go. Okay. I know. Like You're,
0: sa- you're, ta- you're saying it depends.
1: It, it always depends. But let's hypothetically say you have SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And there's way too much bacteria up there where they don't belong. And we know that most of our... B twelve, for example, uses intrinsic factor, must be reabsorbed, high up in that small intestine. But what if, what if you have SIBO present?
0: I would assume the same thing that happens with SIBO and basically all other things is that they make a muck of things. They do? They're not supposed to be there, and they're fermenting bile, and they're going crazy. It's like a thunderdome. <laughs> yeah. And basically, they're stealing all of our vitamins from us, and they have to be eradicated. Again, <laughs> we come back to this.
1: <laughs> but it's not its not even the fact that there's real estate being taken up by the bacteria that's blocking this reabsorption of the digestion thereof. Actually, the bacteria themselves have a lot of enzymatic reactions that they require to survive, and most of them require B12 as a cofactor. So, in fact, it's Thunderdome in SIBO in the small intestine between us and our need for vitamins and the bacterial need for vitamins.
0: So, basically, they need to be
1: eradicated. Oh, my God. No. Why do you have such strong feelings about what should happen Is to that the microbiome? not what we do in
0: SIBO? Well, I mean, listen,
1: I'm glad you don't write report commentary for the Genova profiles.
0: But what if I did?
1: Well, you know, that's interesting because it's the fine line between product and content, right? Which is, content's kind of my bag. You're the product dude. And so here you are writing the words for the product. So it sort of makes sense.
0: I've always wondered what it would look like if I got into content, baby.
1: (laughs) All right. Have you practiced? Like, do you have any examples you want to show us?
0: I got a few rough cuts. Like if I was doing the SIBO report and it were like real bad, then it would sound something like this. The gut is nasty crowded. Imagine Bourbon Street on the last night of Mardi Gras mixed with a Calcutta Bazaar and a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. Now imagine those things running out of food, water, and electricity. That's your gut. It's mayhem, post-apocalyptic. Bacteria on pikes litter the microvilli. Antibiotics are your only option at this point and lots of them. Just like in Revelations, you might as well start over with a clean slate. Not only are these prokaryotic minions rampaging against each other, they are poisoning you with their debauchery. It is time for you to stand up against them. Look. Look at it this way. It's either you or them. What are you going to do? Let these freeloaders lay around raiding your fridge and date your sister? You know what you have to do. I mean, it's a start. You know, I, it's, well, it could, I'm i sure once it goes through approvals and stuff, there might be some edits, <laughs> but I, I think I've got a good knack for this.
1: Uh, I'll tell you, I'm actually torn. If nothing else, it's honest, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm thinking, I don't think you even have a sister. Do you have a sister? No, I don't. Oh, I will say as head of the content team, you're hired and I'm interested to hear your commentary on other profiles moving forward.
0: I won't let you down, boss. <laughs> So bringing it back to what we were actually talking about, which is the real material. um, So it goes to show that SIBO not just has an impact on your clinical symptoms from a GI perspective, um and how it's fermenting bile and potentially causing inflammation and reducing pancreatic function uh it also is impacting your gut's ability to produce absorb uh various nutrients as well almost in a similar sort of way that like celiac would you know it's kind of interesting
1: for sure but b12 is one that's kind of classic as it relates to the gut microbiome the other one that comes to mind is vitamin k Mm -hmm. which is a fat soluble vitamin so you wouldn't think of this right away but In fact, it is actually made by some of the commensal bacteria and gets passively absorbed, and I found this really cool study.
0: Okay, go on. I like those words.
1: You do? Thanks. Well, so I found this study where they took rats, right? Uh Uh-huh. And they restricted Because we
0: start with rats. They usually do. Yeah.
1: Or horseshoe crabs.
0: Okay, and I I think any time you say that, we have to throw in the the rat disclaimer, which is that rats are not humans, Fair. and so that does not necessarily Fair. mean what we're about to say does not necessarily translate to humans.
1: But it's still very insightful as it relates to our understanding of vitamin K that's made in your GI tract. Go so ahead. I'll they, allow it. Thank you. They take these rats, then they restrict their intake of anything that has vitamin K in it, and in spite of that, we know that vitamin K is really important for clotting and in blood clots, yeah. and yeah, so. Yeah. By completely restricting their vitamin K intake completely, uh-huh. they're still able to have normal clotting activity. That's interesting. However, did they
0: measure like like K levels or anything like that while they were doing that? No, or? I think they were just doing
1: clotting times, et Okay, oh, okay, gotcha. The other converse piece is that they took those same rats and restricted vitamin K, but they also wiped their microbiome, so they were germ-free rats with no intake of vitamin K, and they all began hemorrhaging.
0: Whoa. Right.
1: So it's telling you that there is some passive reabsorption of vitamin K that's produced by your commensal bacteria such that without it you can have problems with your bleeding and clotting.
0: That's fascinating. That's mm-hmm. fascinating. I mean that <clears throat> I it's hard to, you know, again, make a really great solid hypothesis or interpretation from that, mm-hmm. but it, it sort of alludes to this idea that the microbiome might play more of an important role in modulating or uh, essentially providing vitamin K status such to prevent clotting um, at maybe even greater levels than what's needed in the diet. It's, you right. know, obviously that, that's something that again would have to be further evaluated, but it's, it's sure. really interesting.
1: Well, that brings me to the next question then. How much does the gut bacterial production of vitamins, how much does it contribute to your systemic levels or your daily recommended intake?
0: It depends. No, by that, I mean, I would assume it's different for each vitamin, right? Oh, I, like, yes. B- yes, We talked sure. about vitamin K right there, mm-hmm. but maybe that has a different, you know, level or contribution f- from B12 or biotin or...
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And a lot of this, a lot of the latest studies are using metagenomic or shotgun sequencing to mm-hmm. look for the potential to make some of these vitamins. And then there's calculations and some speculation around it. But I think in general, when you look at a lot of different studies that use the metagenomic sequencing and trying to predict... And or measure these things. They're sort of all in alignment as to which are the heaviest hitters.
0: Okay, I mean, there's a lot of them that they can make. But to to your point, there's not. A, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of these are going to get into systemic circulation in any real, you know, raw right, concentration. Yeah. And so some of them are are much higher mm-hmm. uh, than others on the list. And so the biggest ones are going to be folate uh-huh. um, and and B six pyridoxine. Oh, so. Okay. Those can, you know, the microbiome can play a pretty substantial role in producing those two Uh, to a lesser degree. The things like biotin, cobalamin, which we had that conversation around the discrepancies on whether the bacteria are using them in the small intestine and things of that nature. Uh, Niacin, thiamin, uh, riboflavin. So a lot of the other B vitamins, it's possible that the microbiome can make them. The degree to which it's impacting circulating pools of B vitamins is a little bit questionable except for folate and B6, it looks like.
1: It's an excellent point. And even though it's not getting into systemic circulation, again, they're important vitamins to help the other bacterial communities survive.
0: Yeah, and I just, that to me is so such an important point because, um, you know, vitamins aren't just here for us, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we're eating them, and then, uh, yeah, it's really helping the microbiome uh, to, to shift in, in positive directions as well. So um, it's, uh, it's a nice way to expand the picture a little bit. So it makes me think what bacteria in the microbiome are doing this, you know, are there certain things we can yeah. be promoting specifically if it's like folate and B12, I'm sorry, folate and B6 that mm-hmm. are big contributions. Uh, you know, what are some of the bugs that do that?
1: Yeah. Well, when you think about to your point earlier, uh-huh. B6 and folate, the highest effect on your systemic circulating levels of these things. And so if you think about folate, let's take folate, for example, okay. we think about things like bacteroides, fragilis, prevotella, clostridium, Lactobacillus. I mean, these are in most people's GI yeah, tracts, and yeah. it's super important. And Currently
0: measure them on the GI effects? We do. Uh-huh.
1: We do. And also, as we look at B6, we're thinking, again, Bacteroides fragilis, Prevotella, Bifidobacterium, Coloncella, H. pylori, again, mm-hmm. to your point, things that we're measuring on the GI effects. Right. But is it? can we get information about vitamin production from that test?
0: So I think this is a great place to introduce uh, what we're doing with the brand new product, the Microbiomix, which is a, uh, an add-on to the GIFX, which is whole genome sequencing for the microbiome. And so you would think that a best way to get to this would be you measure the relative concentrations and the relative abundance of those bacteria that you just listed there. Mm-hmm. But actually... There's kind of even a better way to do that because just because you have a tremendous number of the bacteria, that doesn't mean that they're expressing or producing or containing you know, all those genes that would actually be doing the thing. So you go a step deeper and you actually measure the relative abundance of the genes that codes for the ability to produce folate, right? And so if you have a real large abundance of genes to produce folate, it's a pretty good assumption that that, that, mm-hmm. r- that group of bacteria or that entire microbiome is producing a lot of folate. So um, that's the power of metagenomics, and that's what we're adding to the GIFX in the form of the microbiomics profile. Oh, t- wow, you're is. jumpy over there. That Kinda, is, right? Gotcha. What
1: time is it?
0: Oh, you know what time it is. Question, question of the, the day. Question of the day. day. Question wow. of the day. Question
1: <laughs> of the day. Wait, <laughs> you know what time?
0: Oh, I think you know what time it is. <laughs> question of the, question of the day.
1: Question of the day. <laughs> question <laughs> of the day. Question of the day. What was that punctuation?
0: Rome wasn't built in a day, Patty. <laughs> All right, so this is actually a good question. Um, oh, and it's from, uh, it's from Joe. I haven't oh, heard from Joe in a while. Worry um, about Joe. I know. Hey, Joe, they're, they're closing the pool uh, this weekend, yeah. so just so you know, we're not going get, to get your pool time in. Uh, rake your leaves. So... What this question states is, okay. with the respect to the different vitamins that the microbiome can produce, okay. you know, with each of these vitamins, there's different vitamers, right? So, like uh, yes. with B12, yes. there's cobalamin uh-huh. and then methylcobalamin, cyanocobalamin, yeah. all those different vitamins. So, are there certain vitamins, What, which ones should we be aware of? Like, what forms of these vitamins, say vitamin K mm-hmm. uh, or folate? What are they producing actually?
1: Yeah. Excellent question, Joe. Yeah, Thanks, for yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks so, for that.
0: Also prognostic, you know, and how you knew what we were going to be talking Very about.
1: Good. Well, if you think about just some of the the big names, right? You brought this up just now. You're like, all right, let's talk about B9 or folate, which is probably the one that contributes most to our systemic circulation. The bacteria actually synthesize B9 as tetrahydrofolate. And then it gets directly absorbed in the colon and distributed throughout your body. And again, we know from things like metagenomic analysis that it's those big bacterial groups like Bacteroides fragilis, Prevotella, C. diff, Lactobacillus, et cetera. And then if we think of some of the other big names, we think of B12, which we spent a lot of time talking about in this episode, cobalamin. Yeah. And it actually is synthesized in your gut to produce adenosyl cobalamin. And then, then that gets reabsorbed in the large intestine and used by the other bacteria
0: which can then be converted into methylcobalamin and some of the other stuff okay all right all right
1: and then finally when we're talking about vitamin k and we talked about how important it is for clotting it actually makes k2 mean awesome right so it's it's making the k2 form of vitamin k so to your point there are very specific pathways by which these things are produced and probably with very good reason.
0: And when we think of K2, you know, there's not just the impact on clotting, but it's also the the management of calcium throughout the system, right? right? And, and so Bones we use it for osteoporosis, and... right. cardiovascular health, to sure. try to pull calcium out of the arteries, things like that. So that's great. Thanks, Bugs. Well, I think it's been helpful. I learned a lot.
1: I did too, yeah. right? And it's, it's something none of us really think about. Right. And it makes us appreciate our microbiome even more. Even more.
0: I mean, despite all the bad stuff I said, Right. You were pretty definitive in and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Right. I mean, look how helpful overall this microbiome is. Agree. Especially in balance, right? Right. It depends. I guess. Next time on the Lab Report, we're going to talk about microbiome diversity.
1: Well, who can't get behind diversity?
0: I hear you. I'm a fan.
1: You've been listening to the Lab Report. If you like what you hear. Please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. So remember my car broke down and I got it fixed?
0: uh yeah i was driving you around i remember that was like a week ago yeah that was like a week ago
1: well i get the car back and it broke down again i Uh, had to get it towed this morning
0: yes yes so i'll be driving you around some more (laughs) can i have a ride home this starting to get to be like boy who cried wolf what do you mean like uh, do you have a car car are you are you sure you have a car oh
1: i see where you're going with like i'm
0: starting are you just leaving your car at home because (laughs) gas prices are so high and you're just you're saying that and you're making me drive you everywhere
1: Which reminds me, can we swing by the grocery store on the way home so I can pick up some things? And then I have to mail some things, so maybe swing me through UPS. (sighs) Fine.